Okay, welcome to the Scale with Tech in AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Kyle Doran, founder and CEO at the NetVR. They're doing some really cool virtual reality product development. Kyle is here to tell us all about it. Kyle, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jay. You bet. So I checked out your website. VR is such a cool sector of the tech market. It's been talked about a lot. I think a lot of people haven't really experienced it or really seen what it can do. I know Apple had a headset out. It doesn't seem like there's like a really heavy mainstream adoption yet of it. Tell us about like the world of VR in general and like what you guys are trying to accomplish. So let me kind of give a little history on virtual reality. So 1990, the godfather of virtual reality came to us. Jaron Lennart, VPL Research, they developed these headsets and called it virtual reality and coined really the term. They kicked it off for 30 years. It, it was promised to be able to do business, commerce, everything underneath the sun. Never took off. The, the equipment was too expensive and the world, there, there just wasn't enough computing power in 1990 to be able to do what you can do today. With what the NetVR does, we noticed that the equipment was really the driver, this immersive tactic of being fully, your eyesight fully sucked into this device and it keeps you immersed in this space. Right. Kind of and shuts out like the existing world and like forces you to focus on the virtual reality that you're in. Right. C correct. And so that, that immersion is, was that tie to that, that aha, like I want to get into this. I want to get into this moment. And that's where like all the drive is. But when we stepped back today and really looked at what was in the virtual space, we said, hey, wait a minute, what is so immersive about that space? And what we found out is it's just the third dimension of space. Like right now, you and I are on the Zoom call and we're stuck in this 2D plane. But when you start bridging yourself into like the three-dimensional like gaming space, you can start like... You and I, in theory, could go on a walk in Central Park with the same Zoom calls. But that starts opening up all these other immersive things that could happen. If you and I were walking in Central Park and we saw a bird fly across, we saw a bird dive down in a pond, that triggers different emotional and immersive qualities that aren't inherent just to this device that sucked to your face. It's more inherent to just the space of that three-dimensional space and coming from a gaming background where I, we game in first-person shooters and we sit at a desk and keyboard and watch the screen look at that 3d space and that's where we triggered this okay it's not all about the equipment it's more about the software that's mm. behind it okay so more about the software like like the components of experiencing a virtual reality is like like right now, we all we really have between us is we have video and we have sound, right? And that's it. But you know, there there's a lot of other things. You can enrich those two components, but then there's also other components too. So it's not so you're saying that virtual experiencing VR is not isolated to having a device. Is that what you're getting at? hundred percent. So the way you consciously process everything in the real reality, <laughs> like the, our reality that is today is sight, sound, taste, hearing, and feeling. Sight and sound, the virtual reality space is getting very good at. But feeling, it is not very good at. And taste and 
the smell. Did I say smell before? I think I said touch or feeling <laughs> twice. <Right>. But <laughs> sm- smell and taste are way on the back burner in the virtual mm-hmm. reality space. But right now, when you immerse two of your predominant senses and you leave the other three out, you don't get the full immersion mm-hmm. capability yet. And there's a lot of different ways to interface. And right now we're using a lot of tech, like just hardware, right? You've got the headsets, you've got computer screen monitors, you've got headphones, you've got tiny little earbeats. I've got big headphones. So it, there's a bunch of different ways to immerse people and, and everybody will do it differently, but we're all going to get immersed in that same, we're going to hear the same things. We're going to see the same things in general. Right. Gotcha. And would you say like, Virtual reality is a technology that kind of like AI, like there's no escaping it. Like it's going to be here. People will use it and you're going to have to use it because the benefits are just, you can't ignore them. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I'm right there. with it, It's here to stay. There's like theories and like conspiracy theories of like where it came from or how it started, but it, the internet is here to stay. Like right. this virtual space is here to stay. It offers a ton of benefits. It also has its drawbacks, but what it has is it has the ability to super enrich life and super degrade life at the exact same time. Right. I mean, it's a tool like anything, right? Like a gun, a bullet, a shovel. It's a tool, right? You can use it for good or evil. It's no different. Money, it's, it's the choice of the person wielding the tool as to what they would do with it. And that's a human nature, humanity cultural sort of thing, not a technology thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well said, like really well said. (laughs) I have high hopes that it will make things better, (laughs) but who knows? Maybe it'll just be more of the same, but I think it does at least empower us to to make the choice, right? hundred percent. I mean, I'll throw it out there. I mean, look at the Oliver Anthony story, right? You have someone that's coming from nothing, basically weighed down on his luck and all of a sudden, boom, he's now internet famous. Is that healthy? I don't think so, (laughs) but it does show his moral character, I think. And I think he he does have a good moral basis and we'll see how quickly he either does or doesn't get corrupted. But I think that the best leaders are the ones that don't get that kind of moral, that moral corrupt, the ones that are out for fame, fortune, glory, those moral issues that can come with once you have a huge audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. So back to how do we, and how do we allow people to experience virtual reality? We're talking about hardware. We're talking about not using hardware. So what are like, what would you say are like the two options we have right now for connecting someone to a virtual reality experience? We have like the headsets and the goggles and all that. What's the alternative? So in, in the gaming industry, and that's where my background primarily lies, we call it cross-platform, right? So someone on an Xbox can play with someone on a desktop PC. Or can also play with somebody on a cell phone. The problem is the mechanics and the way the user does the, the, the input and outputs through the IO is different. But as long as the space is the same and you're able to network and connect correctly, you can have the same, you can interact with the same space is really what it is. Right. And for us, it's really, I look back at it as like, everyone was all about the PC and the computer. Like you got to buy this PC, you got to buy this computer. But really what came out of it was Windows. <laughs> right? Windows yeah. was the software on top of these hardware PCs. And that was actually what was really amazing about computers back in the 90s. For now, we're seeing that same thing in, the, in, in VR, 
where VR was all about these goggles. And it's not really about the goggles. When you put the goggles on your face, you're connected in the 3D space. You are forced to be in a 3D video. You wouldn't put goggles on and read a piece of paper. It just wouldn't. <laughs> right. Like, why? Right. <laughs> but, yeah, why? Like, just have it off or have it down on your screen. That's why you kind of see the prominence of Apple's vision and their AR topics where, hey, you can still see the space around you, but you can now see like a digital piece of paper instead of actually having to print out a piece of paper. Right. Awesome. So what's your approach? So your software, your virtual reality product that, that you guys are developing, I don't know if there's just one product, how it works, you can tell us a little bit about that. But what is your main approach to connecting someone to that space, that virtual reality space that you have built? Is it just a PC? Is it multiple devices? And how do you try to enrich that experience beyond what people normally kind of experience when they're like on YouTube watching videos or like something like that? So I guess I'll go with like the best example of like YouTube and watching videos or even watching like this podcast, you can interact with so if i'm gonna go watch this one of the one of the problems in one of our sorry let me go back just a little bit one of the biggest problems with the virtual space is time and that's one of our principles but if you go on and watch this podcast on your own time you're going to lose out on the ability to watch it with other people but let's say you waited 15 minutes or someone got on 15 minutes earlier now you have three people watching all at the same time it's more immersive you're going to get more immersed with the content because you're sharing an experience and all watching it together at the same time. It's so much more meaningful to share your time with other people while taking in content that's the same. That's why people go to concerts together. But we don't do that in the virtual space. We just... Right. We just... That's so interesting. Yeah, no, I see that. so obvious now that you say it. it. Right? So, but like, what we do is right now in, in the live streaming space specifically, and it's mainly where my background comes, gaming and live streaming. When you see like 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 people watching, your engagement is so much more. And you're not even really engaged with the content creator sometimes. You're actually more engaged with the other members of the audience. And so what we did was is we brought in the 3D space for you to be able to engage in. And when we looked at how you do that in real reality, we looked at movie theaters and movie cinemas. So we basically took these live streams and we said, okay, when you go live, here's now the 3D space. And now you can see yourself in avatars. Facebook and, and Google, they didn't start in like big, hey, B2B type. They started in these small niche areas in colleges and being able to like poke someone from the opposite sex. We're starting in these live gaming spaces because gamers are the ones that really understand this 3D space. And then we'll branch out from there. So that's kind of our pathway from oh, okay. theaters to e-commerce to your home that you have in virtual reality, you start getting to that like second life. Dude, you just tied it all together because that was going to be one of my next questions <laughs> was like, what's the future for you guys of like your verticals and like your market niches and like the application parts of the technology that you're building. And that makes so much sense because gamers really are, I think probably the biggest group of advocates for like virtual experiences. So that makes a lot of sense. Plus there's a lot of money changing hands there too. So from a, a business growth and funding and monetization standpoint, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's super interesting right now. Cause I mean, even us, we're looking for funding. That's one of the big things we're looking for. And gaming took the biggest hit 
out of all of the venture funding in 2023. So it's like, oh, what wow. is going on <laughs> when things are becoming more and more virtual and everything's getting sucked more towards AI and tech? And I'm like, okay, we'll just keep sitting on the desert of funding a SaaS platform. So you're saying that gaming, the funding for gaming took a big hit. And, yeah. and why is that? AI probably came out. And so the people that were funding were like, oh, you know what? We're going to go chase the biggest, prettiest thing. I mean, oh, okay. when, when we started in 2019, September, 2019, unknown founder, unknown startup. And we went through changes from virtual reality to metaverse, from metaverse to blockchain, from blockchain to FTs. <laughs> now we're into AI. Like, like we've had to like, and we've just been a video game the entire time. We're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're here. Wow. Yeah. That is a crazy space. There's so much, so many different trends happening at the same time there. And that adds the complexity on top of the technical challenges of building, which is, yeah, man, how do you do it? I mean, honestly, <laughs> you just keep doing just, it. Just, you just do it. Just keep sharing the vision. And a lot of people like it. A lot of people, I'm a proponent of, of the virtual space. And I think the younger generations that are coming up, they understand the virtual space better than we do because they got immersed in it at a much younger age. Like I, I see parents and stuff, like they'll rip an iPad out of a kid. They'll be like, get out of the virtual space and go outside. I'm like, you need to stop doing that because it's really what the message that you're sending them is like you getting ripped out of the playground and you going in and playing on a computer. Like it's almost this flip-flop, this generational flip-flop that a lot of people are missing and I'm trying to share my experiences and be like, no, all the kids are on iPads now. So right. that is their playground. And right. it is and can be a safe place. But you as an adult need, need to protect kids there. You need to show them the, the right moral way to do things. I mean, I get in there and I see some of the kids and the moral things that they say and do. And they, they don't care because the consequences are different between the real reality right. space and the virtual reality space. Right, right. Yeah, like yeah, like video game shooter games, like what's fake, it's make believe, it's pretend, you can do whatever you want. And yeah, and like I think I think like really parenting really should take care of that issue, right? You have to teach the kids like I mean, it's not a perfect world, not everyone does that, but I mean, parents have the responsibility just to teach basic morality and like responsibilities to their children. This is make believe, that's okay. But they're in the real world, that's not okay. There's different expectations and different responsibilities to your fellow human beings, how you want to be treated and how you should treat them. And yeah, I don't know, that definitely doesn't always happen. But again, that's not the downfall of the technology, though. 100% like that is like, <laughs> like the best way that it's really well said. And you're right, like, it, it really comes down. And I do believe too, like, it, it does come down to the parents. But if you think a lot of parents, they don't understand or they're kind of afraid of it or they don't, they're just like, here's the iPad. I trust, you know, Google or Apple to teach you what you can or can't get on the internet. Google, Apple puts up like a, hey, are you 18? Yes, I'm 18. And then now you're in <laughs> the wrong site and you have no parental oversight on, 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 on what it is or where they're going. Right, right. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always new technologies. There's always a lot of problematic adoption and redirection and how you say it like not retreat but like different directions being taken as it matures and as the adoption kind of 
steers it hopefully in the right direction and conversations like this one and others where people stop to, to spend a little time to think about those things and to think about those consequences to think about what discussion should be had and so it's a process for sure so where are you guys at right now as a company like like what's your product right now tell us how it works like who's it for and how does it work and what do people kind of doing there. For, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of especially older business people, which is funny because I'm in my 40s, but I say older business people, but you know, I work with a lot of people who are younger or older than me in the business space. But a lot of people, even in myself included, I don't have a lot of experience with VR. I get it. I know what it is, but like, I don't know what people do in there. What's it all about? Tell us about your product. I think it's the theater, the net VR theater. Yeah. So our first application is a an extension for live content platforms. So platforms, predominantly Twitch is kind of our main one. YouTube Live that does gaming. Facebook Gaming used to be a thing. Kick is a new up-and-coming streaming platform. Basically, what we do is we bring the stream into a theater-type setting. We connect with APIs, chats, and everything. And then you can sit in a theater chair and watch the content creator stream. You can also chat and message directly with the other individuals in the theater. And where we monetize is we allow you to purchase that creator's deal or that creator's. So we basically take their digital assets that they're already done and created. And then we allow you to engage with the content creator by purchasing their assets directly through them. Kind of making us almost, I kind of use the analogy of we're the cotton of virtual reality. Like I have a virtual a t-shirt on. It might have a Nike swoosh or an Adidas swoosh, or, but we're the cotton that those programs or those vendors put their logos on. So viewers, so content consumers are in there in their virtual reality. They're hanging out in a virtual space. They're chatting. They're engaging and watching content together at the same time, right? As an experience, a group experience. And the way it's monetized is they, what do they do? They buy like small subscriptions for content creators, like... So, and this is where it kind of gets interesting because it's very generational. You have like a, the older generation. So I'm 38. So the older generation kind of doesn't, we're like digital assets, buy a digital <laughs> asset. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, a bunch of like board eight yacht clubs and all like the NFT guys are spending billions of dollars on digital artwork. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, how dumb is this? And then you have kids that are purchasing like $5 assets that are like, this is my asset. And then they accidentally delete it and they go berserk. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's one of those things, like it's almost like looking at someone that's in the little older generation. It's like, that was my favorite t-shirt. It's the <laughs> same kind of thing. And they're almost saying the exact same thing, but they're just saying it in different realities. Like I consciously only believe in this real reality in the older generation, but the younger generation is like, no, man, I believe in this virtual space. Like that was my t-shirt. <laughs> So for the context of this podcast, we're assuming that this is the real reality? Good question. <laughs> so no, in, in, in my take of it, or in my thought, in my, our vision, or our thought process is, as long as once we put this information into the internet, or once we put it into the virtual space, it does become virtual reality. You and I aren't sitting in a room together with tons of recording devices or anything like that which really kind of makes this very distinct difference between the two realities that is very, we need to know when one or the other, especially with the advent of AI coming around and how quickly someone could do a deep fake almost overnight, right? right. 
Yeah, that's going to become a problem really fast. And so, and this is really where this vision really needs it. And kind of, we're not trying to change the world. We're trying to educate the world. So that way they can feel more empowered to make better decisions. Once you move things into the real reality or into the virtual reality, it can be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And AI is only making that, what we talked about earlier, the ends, like it's going to become even more extreme or even less or even more worse. <laughs> right. How do you foresee, so I, I kind of understand the business, you guys are kind of like the PayPal of like the virtual experience and digital assets, kind of. That's well, like the... We're trying to be there. Yes, kind of. Kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's really cool. I mean, it's really neat now that you kind of explained it because obviously I am a huge consumer of information. I've always been just a junkie for knowledge. And I can't get enough and there's not enough time to get enough. And when I was really a little kid, I thought I wanted to be the smartest person on the planet. That was my goal. And I was going to know everything. And then of course I got a little older and I realized that could never happen. (laughs) And I think Einstein had a great quote, something along the lines of the more I learn, the more I know, I don't know, or something to those, to that effect. And uh, it's so interesting, but I do believe knowledge is power. So like, I think anything that can help educate people and have more communications and dialogues about things, I think has to be shooting us in, in, in a better direction than ignorance and seclusion and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really cool, man. So like, what's the state of like the product right now? Like, do you guys have active users right now? Like how was the engagement with your users, both the creator side and the, and the content consumer side, I guess you would say, yep. what things worked really well that you guys did, what things didn't work really well, what were some of the th- like lessons that you learned about what kind of product you need to develop to make this a big success and like, where are you guys at now? And like, what's your like time frame for coming out with something so I can sign up and I'm going to try <laughs> this out, man. Yeah. So for us, so. Again, we've been around three years. It took us about a year to get into our prototype, really where we saw our prototype shine. We started trying to do our own streaming platform. Nobody's going to sign up for a small streaming platform. So we got into these theaters and these prototypes, and they worked really well. We had about 20 content creators kind of sign up for our initial prototype. We learned definitely signing up with one click is the key to make sure that you do. Being able to allow people to try it and see it, especially if you're not a known video game, is very important. And that was one of our early learnings. Yeah, conversion rates, man. Like, I, of course, I already know this from working with clients because that's a lot of what we do is we're going to a business and they have a functional business that's profitable, but we look at some of their KPIs and their conversion rates and I'm like, oh God, that's not good. Like, that's not good. Like, we can double, triple that like easily. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, your opt-in rate's 10%. Let's make it 30. Let's make it way better. That's three times more money. Does that sound good? (laughs) But yeah, though, that's really, yeah, million, hundred million dollar offer by Alex Hermosi talks a lot about, you know, like using Amazon as an example and et cetera, like the customer experience of making it so easy to say yes, right? Just get rid of all that friction. And because if you have a good product that people are going to like, all you have to do is get them in there. The rest kind of takes care of itself. So that's interesting. I'm really glad to hear to hear that. So, so you kind of figured out a really good, easy sign up process for people on both sides to get in there and start using it. 
And uh, what kind of lessons did you learn from like some feedback from those people? Like lessons we learned, I, there's like, a lot of lessons. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, with a prototype. Yeah. Right. Like that's like customer discovery is big. Like, but you know, if you just ask them, they'll usually tell you, right. Like just ask, like, just talk to like, a good handful of people and like, just say, Hey man, like, I'd love to talk to you, get your feedback. Like, what do we need? What are we doing good? What are we doing bad? Like they'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were really excited and they're like, okay, go build this. And really where our biggest challenge wasn't necessarily the customer. Once we got, once customers see the product like live in action and really they were only able to see the prototype because that's really only what we were able to build. We weren't able to we never have had a professional development team. And had I started this three years ago, knowing that this was going to be this cost, like this costly, I would have had second thoughts, but we've made it to this prototype phase and we have enough people behind us that are like, yes, I want that. I want to see it. Show me, show it to me. We keep pushing and driving. So right now we're in development phase. That's where we got stuck. So we got stuck between this minimum viable product and this prototype. So the product is in development, but it's the development slow. We don't have any money. So we were like, Hey, how do we do this? We pulled a bunch of college kids. They needed, they, it wasn't college kids. It was after grad. I mean, developers right now are easy to find, but because nobody's paying for them right now. Oh, that's interesting. They're all getting laid off, but they need work experience and they want work experience. So we're allowed to kind of let them use our idea and we're kind of drive them towards, you have them do kind of side projects that are relevant to what the NetVR does at its core. And then you kind of pull their code and use some of the code in the implementation of our product. But that's what we're doing right now. It's really slow going again <laughs> to yeah. the conversation earlier, but it's working. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Okay. Well, I mean, it's great to hear that you're making progress. Yeah, that sounds tough. Like I'm a bit of a developer myself but more, much more so more of uh, like a software architect, scripting, APIs, automations, that sort of thing. Not so much a full stack developer. So, but I do have a good idea of what that looks like. And that, that does sound tough for sure. Yeah. So that's the solution that you came up with now. What do you have any sort of, of hopes for a timeline as far as going live with a minimum viable product again and taking on users? We're about five months out is what we think. So. That, that, that's the hope right now. So okay. we gave a six month timeline. We just got our interns in, sent down with all their sprints and everything. And so <laughs> yeah. it's six months is what we gave ourselves. See if we get there. We're hoping we're crossing our fingers. We think yeah. we'll be able to get there. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I hope you guys do. Yeah, it's super exciting. Is there anyone out, else out there in the space that you know of who is building something similar? I mean, we have competitors all over. There, there's, it's not hard for some of the other companies and applications to kind of turn on exactly what we're doing. You mean like big established brands like Facebook, yeah. Google, et cetera. I, yeah, and, and, and Horizons, I mean, we won Best in Play GDC in 2021. And the Meta Horizons was making loops around the thing. And I didn't realize, and we threw our pitch. And then a couple months later, Meta published uh, thing like, Hey, we're focusing in on content creators and we're focusing in, we're going to have pay and we're focusing in on all the aspects of my pitch. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I asked the individual and I was like, Hey, who do you work for? And I like looked at his name badge at the time and he just walked away. He just covered up his badge and walked away. Really? And then we went and found him later. I was like, Oh, you're the better horizons. And he just left. I just, huh? 
Okay. And, and then a, a month later, like they, they kind of were saying our, they were kind of using our branding a little bit. I mean, it's nothing you can trademark, right. but if somebody big like Horizons is able to kind of put our mentality together and our kind of thesis, I think it's better off for the world in general. So let them have it. Let them go do it. They've already Maybe you should it. join Elon Musk in his lawsuit. <laughs> I don't want to sue people. I, <laughs> the funny... That's a funny thing. <laughs> He's the kind of guy you want to team up with. We tried reaching out. I am technically in Austin now, so we tried reaching out, but we haven't heard back yet. Yeah, I'm sure he's hard to get a hold of. I, I definitely think so. I just saw him. He was at a League of Legends tournament, so he was at a gaming tournament the other day. Yeah, the gamers all kind of ripped him one for doing the X. They all started chanting, bring back Twitter. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> it's got to be careful at a gaming convention. Yeah, tell yeah. You what's up. I'm excited to see what the X is going to look like. I mean, put some, he really made it pretty clear he was serious about it. That's pretty exciting. He's a smart <laughs> guy and he's totally out there. Like, I mean, let's just not forget together. he started OpenAI. OpenAI is a Musk project and he literally said it'll be 10 times better. So <laughs> that's not something I would take lately. I'm going to keep my eyes on that. <laughs> What Yeah, what he does, the crowd he surrounds himself with is uh, full of very smart people. Yeah. So you guys are looking for funding, correct? Yes. Any kind of funding, partnerships, capital, et cetera, et cetera? I, we're right, right now, we're bootstrapped. So mm -hmm. we're, nobody makes any money off the project right now or off the idea. We're looking for an initial fund. So we're looking for angels. We're looking for pre-seed rounds. That is what we, we know what it takes to build the MVP. <laughs> right we're gonna we're gonna do it with or without money so right you can help or not if you want to help if you don't cool just sit and watch and we'll try and get it to you as quick as we can yeah i mean i guess you win either way right because if you take on money you lose some control but you don't have the money which is sometimes nice it's only nice in the beginning not later because you have to pay it back <laughs> with a lot of interest so um 100%. so either way you win i mean that's really exciting well i'm definitely rooting for you guys Anything else you, you kind of want to add? I was, I was kind of curious about asking you how you see AI affecting your product moving forward, because like, I remember like the wave of the cloud technologies, right? Like there's always so much hype about new technologies. Oh, it's wonderful. It's the best thing is there's nothing like it and it sucks. Right. And then after a while, the actual product and the experience and the technology catches up to the hype. And now all of a sudden it is the best stuff. And with cloud technologies that took like what, 15 years or something. And with AI, it'll probably be a year two. It's just going to be this massive wave of adoption because you won't have a choice. So it's just, I think it's going to change almost every industry. In some in industries, much, I think, faster, more so than others. But how do you see it affecting like the, v the virtual reality space? So again, kind of back to our platform of like, what is the virtual reality space for us? It's anything that's on the internet. So for me, really the big AI push is large language models. And that's really almost a memory bank, like a human memory bank. Right. Like, so you're sending in input. You and I take in input all the time. We run it through our memories of what to say, and then we output something. AI and large language model, the AI that everyone kind of thinks of today is that large language model where they use a huge memory bank that is able to be recalled quickly. 
And that's really with the advent of 3D graphics cards. So NVIDIA is really behind it. So like how AI became so prominent right now is they started using CPUs and GPUs together to like get these memories out much faster in a much more like clear and concise form or right. explanation. Because like, AI <laughs> is not AI. There is no such thing as AI yet, right? It's yeah, like yeah. you said, it's <laughs> AI doesn't exist, but it's most people aren't super techno nerds and they don't see the difference, but AI is probably the best description to use if you had to use one, but it's machine learning, it's pattern recognition, it's pulling from existing data, following a pattern and spitting stuff back in very huge, massive data sets. So it's, yeah, like kind of self-learning, but not really learning, more like pattern recognition and recreation and huge data to pull from. And I think it was Steve Wozniak said, AI, true AI is like 50 years out, but who knows? Who knows? So for us, like what we really looked at is like, again, in the virtual reality space, like AI fits in virtual reality because it reads bits. You and I, we read atoms and that's our difference between the, the differentiator between real reality and virtual reality. Our brains store large language models. <laughs> You're right. It's the same thing as the AI's large language models. We just call them memories. In real reality, we call them LLMs in, in, in the virtual reality. <laughs> That's such a great comparison. I mean, I don't think a lot of people think of it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's ones and zeros on one side, or you convert it to hex, same difference. And then, but human beings, right, we work on the atomic scale. Yep. And, yeah. but, and that's really, so our, like, I guess our overarching thing, and you could tell me how you like the vision or the understanding of it, but what we did was, with all the headsets and all the metaverse, we we're like, okay, what is reality? So we went down, we broke what reality is down and it's time, space, and matter. And this is what I say a lot. And whenever I try and talk with people, people glaze over, their eyes glaze <laughs> over. But if you really focus in, it's like, hey, what's one of the most important things? It's time, right? You're paid per your time, right? Your paycheck is based off of, you know, I go to work for $30 an hour. It's notice that there's a component of time, hours <laughs> in that. But it's focusing in on the now and the present and not necessarily how much time we have left on the podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's now, and so, so time has a bunch of different factors, but that it's one of the big key things about it. It's how much time do you spend in the virtual space and how much time do you spend in real reality? You mm -hmm. have to be conscious of that. You have to be conscious of what space you put yourself in. If you want to put yourself in a book, in a 2D book, or if you want to put yourself in front of a 2D screen, or you want to put yourself in a gym where you're lifting weights and moving it around 3D space. And then the last one, it goes back down to that, what is matter? And the matter is, again, one's bits and one's atoms. Right. There's a lot of similarities, but not the same, right? The virtual space is only becoming more and more similar to right. real reality. Right. And, I, and as kids get exposed, they're finding that there, there's so much more efficiencies to be had in the virtual space Right. I don't have to get in a car and go drive. Well, that's why I, I didn't fly to Austin, right? <laughs> you know? Which which would have been cooler, but right. Yeah, the drawback is there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes sense. And like, I can kind of foresee this, like I can foresee like getting into a platform like yours and having the experience that I used to have without the virtual reality experience and saying to myself, I don't want to have it the other way again. This is so much better for so many reasons. And I don't think it really matters what the application is, whether you're playing games, 
or whether you're shooting the crap with people or whether you're building a business or you're collaborating on a project or having a discussion about politics, whatever, I can see the enormous enhanced value of that interaction in that sort of a VR setting. So yeah, it's really exciting, man. I really appreciate you being on and sharing this. I mean, hopefully a lot of people after they hear this, are going to be like, I get it. It makes so much sense. Instead of it being this kind of ominous, like, I don't really know what it is. It's these geeks with headsets <laughs> looking like weirdos in their living room. It is. It, I, I really, yeah. For virtual reality, it's, it is, and it's getting away that stigma of, of just these headsets. A lot of people want that immersion and please go do that immersion. Mm -hmm. I'm really anti-headset. I love desktop. I mean, I have so many monitors like, in front of me. I think yeah. you do too. That is the virtual reality space in my mind. And it people need to stop being scared of it. People usually are scared of things that they don't understand and don't know. But really, if you have a good leader and you have a good teacher, it kind of removes that, uh, that, that fear. And so if you are scared of it, go research it. Go understand really what is in the virtual space. Yeah. You're going to get kind of blown away. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the issues, I think like one of the issues for people that don't like have any, like you, you say like, I'm Cal, I'm from the net VR, we do virtual reality stuff. Like most people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I think if you explain it, like, instead of watching YouTube videos, instead of doing all the other stuff you do online, you do it in a virtual reality environment with other people at the same time. And they're like, once you add that human element in that like use case to it, they're like, that makes sense. I think that's, that would be like helpful to like maybe add into your pitches and stuff yeah. like for normal what i would call like normal people right yeah because yeah, it really is for everyone like it's just it's not just for video game nerds it's for everybody it's for almost any application it's like everyone uses zoom now so like remember like when like only the nerds use zoom and like the huge business leaders and then now everyone uses zoom it's just the next iteration of like collaboration and having experiences with other people in a virtual context. So. Yep, all our goal is just to bring in this 3D space, the three-dimensional space. And the 3D space since the 1990s has been predominantly driven by gamers. So if gamers understand it the best, why not start there? So yeah. we'll get to the rest of the world, the rest of the world in time. But yeah, we're going to start with our small little niche, which you can join in, but come on in and experience and socialize with people. But yeah, it will be very shocking to, I think, <laughs> most people if you're not natively a gamer. Right. Yeah, it'll be a little new. But that's, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make it a bad thing. Correct. It's yeah. just a new experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Kyle, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the show. This is, I think, any, everyone who listens to this is going to have a really a good understanding of like VR and what the future looks like and some of the things that it has to offer. Is there any specific types of people you'd like to connect with? We'll let people know how to reach you on LinkedIn. Obviously you're looking for maybe funding potentially, if something made sense and worked out. Are you looking to partner with anyone specifically? Are you looking for developers of any kind? Are you looking for any other sorts of partnerships that you would encourage people to reach out to you to find out about? Anybody in the content creator space. So, I mean, even your podcast, we'd love to have you guys sign up for, get the first initial emails for the content creator space. I think podcasts are a historical, right? But you said you do live stuff. So anybody that is in the live content creation space, definitely want to hear from you. We definitely need your feedback in how we can build our application better for the content creator side. Because viewers, they just, they always just come in and watch. 
Right. <laughs> and you need both. You need both you need to both. make it work. Yes. All right. Well, everyone go and find Kyle on LinkedIn, Kyle Doran. That's D-O-R-A-N. And his extension is forward slash Kyle dash Doran one, number one. Go and hit him up on LinkedIn, get connected, get on his email list and be one of the first people to get access to his new platform as soon as it comes out in five months. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be there. Kyle, thanks so much, man. Have a Jay, great rest of your day. And uh, let's catch up, man. I'm going to put you on my calendar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ping you in a couple of months, see how things are going. And hopefully everything's going well, man. I, I did enjoy that. All right. Great. Well, this is it for this episode. Thanks for watching.